When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska. That's right. We are finally back home and back into our regular uh, scenarios and situations. Sarah, are you pumped to be back on the pod here on a regularly scheduled Monday night, my brother? I am. You know, you get away from ordinary day like tasks that you do for a little while and you're like, man, this is really nice. And then by the end of it, you're like, man, I wish I was just back into the routine. It's kind of funny how that works. But yeah, I am glad to be back. Glad to be talking some more football with you, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Human beings are most certainly creatures of habit. And uh, a habit we have created is sitting on here and bloviating about the game of football, uh, in particularly the NFL. And we are stoked to have it. Uh, camp's in full swing of things now. As uh, Sarah was out in Denver last week checking out the Denver Broncos. Sarah, real quick, give me the highlights who was the guy fantasy owners should absolutely be looking forward to? Uh, maybe a little inside scoop that only a guy that attended Broncos camp might know about that roster there in Denver. Gosh, that's a good question because things are kind of the waters are kind of murky right now. I don't think there's a clear cut. I think if you're looking for like the big splash pick, if you think you're, you know, there's nobody that's like a no-brainer right now even Philip Lindsay I mean they they could be splitting the carries with Royce Freeman there doing kind of a timeshare type of thing in the backfield I think if you're going for a big splash I would draft Cortland Sutton because I think that there's a good chance that he could end up giving you some wide receiver one production this year as a second year player he's he looks ready to take that jump man he's just physical as heck such a good athlete and and I think Joe Flacco is going to really like throwing him the ball all right well I appreciate 
the deep insight there, again, from Broncos camp. But if the listeners have clicked on this podcast episode, they have realized by the title that we are diving into the AFC East tonight. We continue our divisional breakdown segments that we've been doing over, uh, what would you say, the last probably three weeks, three, two or three mm-hmm. weeks or so here now, Sarah, on the NFL Mox podcast. But tonight, again, we have the AFC East. And, uh, you know, for you Dolphins fans, I'm going to go ahead and let you know up front, <laughs> um, based off our superlatives, I don't know how much we'll be talking about you guys tonight, um, though the other three teams will probably most definitely hit on the most our superlative categories, uh, if you haven't been listening to our series so far, I'll go ahead and give them to you. Best offense, best defense, best young trio, uh, 26 years uh, old or younger there in that category. Best roster, and then we'll tell you who we believe is the best quarterback in the division. Uh, shocker, it's going to probably be Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> And then we'll give you, of course, at the end of the show, what we believe the AFC predictions will look like in terms of win totals uh, for all four of these football teams in this uh, glorious division that's been rather boring uh, over the last, you know, two decades here or so, Sarah. But let's start off, man. Best offense. And again, let's try to not be as boring as possible um, we know, we know kind of where these answers typically trend towards, or at least again, where they have trended towards, uh, for the last two decades, but I'll let you start off best offense there. Who's got it and why? Yeah, I think obviously it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Patriots. I'll keep it quick here and I'll highlight another team. Cause I, I think I know who you might highlight here, but, uh, it's gotta be the Patriots. I mean, obviously they have the most complete offensive unit especially if Rob Gronkowski comes back which I know that's kind of been a a point of question right I mean one of uh, I'm in a fantasy keeper league actually and um, I kept Rob Gronkowski this year and the guy was like what are you doing like he's not playing (laughs) you know like he's he's retired and I'm like yeah but I mean you just never know he's not even what is he he's barely 30 if if even 30 yet and uh, and he's still playing at a high level when healthy and so even with the weight loss I think he could still come back. So I think the the most balanced offense is New England's. They've got so many good running backs. Even with Sony Michelle potentially on the the PUP to start the to start training camp out there, I think James White is one of the most dynamic, versatile backs in the league. Then you add Nikhil Harry to the mix, an alpha receiver with Julian Edelman in the slot, and they've got a couple of other guys on the outside. If Demarius Thomas is healthy, could be a decent pickup for them. Just a, just a really well-balanced unit. And even with losing uh, Trent Brown to the Oakland Raiders, you put Isaiah Wynn. I know you got some words about him. Uh, one of the one of the most interesting Sweet left feet. tackles. Yeah, I mean he's he is good. he's got great feet and uh, great length for a shorter offensive tackle. And so that's one of the reasons why you put him out there at left tackle in the NFL. Even though some people thought he'd play guard, but so I think it's the Patriots. Obviously, Tom Brady runs that machine orchestrated by Josh McDaniels. But really, I think it's kind of a co co lead there between Brady and McDaniels because Brady knows it just as well as anyone out there and they work well together somehow I can't believe I can't believe it they're too I mean I think Brady's a pretty easygoing guy even though he's firing competitive but McDaniels is an egomaniac probably uh Belichick who keeps him in check 
But uh, I think the second best offense in this division for me has got to be the New York Jets. And I'm hedging my bets here big time on Sam Darnold taking a year two leap. I know you're not as high on him as I am, but he was my QB one in last year's draft over Baker Mayfield. And I loved Baker Mayfield. So I love Sam Darnold, his potential. I think he showed it down the stretch last season. I just read, or I heard something or saw something on ESPN on Sunday morning that no quarterback had a higher QBR or a pro football focus rating over the last, over the last yeah. Yeah, and that's crazy to me. I had no idea. So he played really well down the stretch. Now you add Le'Veon Bell to the mix. I think they've got some serious questions at receiver and tight end and on the offensive line, but I think Coleccio Semele is a great pickup for them, and they've got some other decent players up there. So we'll see if uh, we'll see how far Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell can take that unit, but I think for me they're number two. Yeah, that was actually going to be my team I highlighted number two. I know you probably thought I was going Buffalo Bills here. Uh, with all their additions and my affection for Josh Allen. Um, but a, a name you failed to mention, or maybe you just overpassed it, or maybe it's just not you're not an offensive line guru or lover like I am. Uh, I really think, despite what Pro Football Focus believes about Coleccio Simile, I really think the addition of him there at left guard um, coming over from Oakland for the New York Jets is really important because they are going to be trying to run the football. Um, you know, Adam Gase is, you know, by – the guys who watch the film, the guys who study the X's and O's, um, if you just turned off the press conferences uh, after the games, we believe, you know, Adam Gase is a pretty strategically uh, advanced coach, and he, and he tends to help out his quarterbacks um, as much as he possibly can. I know Peyton Manning's part of the reason he got he has gotten uh, as many opportunities in the NFL as he has. And, and you know, that's a guy, a, a good guy to have on your side, but some would question how much of that was Peyton's doing uh, when they're, during their times together. But I like what the Jets have offensively. But, yeah, dating or going back to the Pats, it's a system at this point and a well-oiled machine. We all know about that. And until something changes otherwise, I'm always going to take Josh McDaniels and Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. <laughs> um, yeah, you got four names. You got four names and a junior on the back end. Uh, you deserve to play football until you're 45 years old and uh, be married to the world's richest supermodel uh, in the history of supermodels. Um, but nonetheless, got to go with the Pats here uh, mm-hmm. in agreement yeah. there. Uh, and again, I, I, I was hesitant to go with the Buffalo Bills, but I figured I'd you know change things up on you. I like the young core uh, offensively that the New York Jets have. Even though I'm not that big of a believer in Sam Darnold, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the sloppy body. Uh, maybe it's the aloof af- athleticism, if you will. Um, <laughs> it, it, it seems to sneak up on you uh, there with his type of uh, ability in the scrambling. Sneaky scrambling, if you will. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But let's hop into the best defense category. We'll roll right into it. Um, you know, Sarah, I said a few episodes back that the Buffalo Bills defense could have very well been the best defense in the league uh, in the NFL last season. Uh, and, and a little bit of nuggets time for our audience here, a little bit of nuggets for the listeners, Sarah. They led the league against the pass last season, holding opposing quarterbacks to just 179 yards per game. Think about this, Sarah. In a league where passing has made, uh, you know, excuse me, has been made easier and easier season by season, uh, and it's more statistically productive than ever before, the Buffalo Bills did not allow a single quarterback to pass 
for more than 300 yards against them wow. last season, and that's with two uh, matchups, obviously, against Tom Brady. Uh, they were second in total yards allowed last season. Chicago smoked the rest of the league in terms of total takeaways last season with 36. We talked a little bit about that when we covered the NFC North. Uh, think about this, Sarah. The Chicago Bears had 27 interceptions alone last season, mm-hmm. uh, 10 more than any other football team in the league. Uh, but Buffalo was no slouch in terms of taking the ball away. They had 27 turnovers uh, themselves. So, But the only problem with their defense last year was, you know, it wasn't really their pro- problem. It was offense inflicted. Football Outsiders, a fun little website for us nerds who love, you know, advanced statistics. Football Outsiders shows you that Buffalo last season – allowed just 26.18 yards per drive, uh, which was just .2 yards behind Chicago for the NFL lead. So they were wow. allowing, again, just 26 yards per drive, uh, almost best in the league or almost tied for the best. So that's who I've got for best defense in this division despite uh, the roster that New England and the schematics with Bill Belichick that New England will return. What are your thoughts, my man? Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Buffalo's got one of the most underrated secondaries, I think, in the league. And uh, obviously, Tredavious White is just an absolute stud. And then they've added pieces over the last couple of years to really enhance that. And it's almost a little bit surprising, isn't it? I mean, they've gotten rid of Gilmore, who's now with the Patriots. They got rid of Darby. And everyone was kind of thinking, well, those two guys are like the future, aren't they? At the cornerback position for the Buffalo Bills. But, man, they've done a good job of drafting, developing, signing the right guys bringing in the right uh, the right backup pieces there, so I like that pick a lot. I think for me, I've got to go with the New York Jets, and I'm giving the Jets quite a bit of love. I think I've now given them some love as the number two offense in the division and now the number one defense. But I think, I think that, I mean, you look at them on paper, just a complete unit other than I think they could use one, one or two really good edge rushers, and we'll see if Ja'Kai Polite can become that for them. I know his workouts were bad, but, man, the tape is good. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, the guy's a football player, so he's got to go out and prove that he can he can play football despite the athletic limitations or maybe, I mean, hopefully not laziness. I don't know. But Jamal Adams, obviously the centerpiece here for me. You get a guy like that on the back end. I mean, we talked about Derwin James a little bit in the AFC West episode, so you can go back and check that one out. But Jamal Adams kind of has a similar impact on the game. He's just all over the field. It's basically like you've got 12 guys out there on the defense, and he's their leader emotionally, too. He took his fire for the game is is incredible. I mean, we talk about Jonathan Abram back when he was picked by the Raiders and the kind of impact that he can make in that in the back end of that defense leadership-wise. And Jamal Adams really has that same kind of fire. He's just a he, he elevates the guys around him with the way that he plays with such intensity. And to see him do that on a team that's so bad uh, record-wise is impressive. And so I love what he brings to the table. And I think that the Jets, you know, they overpaid for C.J. Mosley this offseason. But you know what? A team like that has to overpay because they're not really a household name right now so you overpay to get a guy like Mosley who's a really good player I don't know if he's generationally great like he's being paid like he is but I think he's a really good player and I think he's going to work well next to Avery Williamson we'll see how uh, how many tackles there are to go around for those two guys because they are both machines in the tackling department but I think the calling card for this Jets D and where teams are really going to have problems is with their defensive front whether they have three or four guys, I don't think it's going to really matter. They've got Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson, and Quinnen Williams now up on the defensive front. And, man, those guys are 
just all three of them are studs. You got length, strength. They'll beat you with quickness. They'll beat you with power. They can beat you inside outs. It doesn't matter. They'll beat you. And I think one of the most underrated pieces that they've got coming off the bench is Nathan Shepard, who is just a bull uh, as a defensive lineman there and a really good player about last year's senior bowl. A guy that I remember because I was there for the senior bowl last year and I'm like, who the heck is this? Who the heck is this guy, Nathan Shepard? And I actually was talking about him on the sideline and I happened to be standing right next to his agent who was, you know, then talking to him up even more. And so it's just funny how that funny how that all works out. And, and he ended up being a really good rookie for them. So I'm excited to see him in year two. But man, that that defensive front, that's a good looking group for the Jets. Yeah, Nathan Shepard, the the famous Canadian now uh, mm-hmm. playing for the New York Jets. Um, but one thing I love about the way They've, you know, built their roster out there on the defensive end there in New York. They've got an absolute blue chipper, an absolute dude at every level of their defense. I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned the Williams brothers, uh, you know, C.J. Mosley there, Jamal Adams, uh, and Tremaine Johnson's no slouch there uh, at corner either, Sarah. So, I mean, just flat-out playmakers uh, at every level of your defense, and that makes out for a really good defensive roster there uh let's bump into best young trios there uh again for the audience this is 26 uh years or younger uh years of age here or younger uh i'll start with a couple i've got a couple listed here um my first one that came to mind was ed oliver tredavious white and josh allen there with the buffalo bills got to show my boy josh allen some love there um you know and then there's obviously a Jets trio that we can make up one you know considerably obvious factor to point out here is that you know the New England Patriots are not a very young football team so unless you manage to find one Sarah I couldn't <laughs> imagine uh you know I was going two offensive linemen uh you know with um David Andrews and Shaq Mason and then trying to find a third one and possibly <laughs> going to use Sony Michelle but to be honest with you I would be sh- – I'm not shocked, but I wouldn't be shocked if you came up to me and told me Sony Michelle wasn't going to make it to 26, 27 years of age uh, in the NFL because he's constantly had knee injuries dating back to college at Georgia and now in the NFL. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, he's even on the PUP list uh, as we speak of today. Uh, but you never know. That could be a, you know, a ploy from Bill Belichick just to keep him as healthy as possible leading up to the season. You just never know. Who is your young trio if I were to offer you Ed Oliver, Travis White, and Josh Allen? I know Ed Oliver hasn't played a down, but we both love him. Yeah, I love Ed Oliver, man. I think he's going to be a beast, especially in that defense with Sean McDermott. I think he's going to be great. I like that pick, actually. I think that's a really good one. My initial one was actually Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. Quinnen Williams, and uh, Jamal, and Jamal Adams. Adams out there in New York. So that's the one that I thought of right away. Is like he, he And I'm kind of biased a little bit towards the quarterback position. I mean, if you have a good – if you've got a quarterback who's good enough to be considered on that list, I'm typically bumping you up a notch because I think, you know, you look at New England's list and you've got – like you could put together a Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn, and Sony Michelle, but then again, there's so much unproven there, right? I mean, those are great prospects. That's basically – that's their last three first-round picks actually. So they're they're so unproven yet. Isaiah Wynn hasn't played. Sony Michelle really just came on – at the end of last season and he's injured right now and then Nikhil Harry hasn't played a down yet either so I think that that could be 
if you're a Patriots fan, you're obviously thinking, well, that's our that's our new offensive core right there of of guys that you know a couple playmakers and then an offensive lineman. But then you know you look at Miami's got a pretty good one actually, in my opinion. If you consider, depending on what you think of Josh Rosen, right? Because if you think Josh Rosen is a franchise QB type of player he he definitely deserves to be near the top of that list I mean he he took some lumps as a rookie but man his potential is high I mean he was one of the most pure passers of the football that I've seen coming out of college I and mean, he's just so technically and mechanically sound borderline to a fault actually I think and so if you're if you're putting together a Dolphins trio you've got Josh Rosen you've got Christian Wilkins and you've got Minka Fitzpatrick so I think that's a pretty good pretty good trio as well yeah, I think we've spoken both on here on, on this podcast here, sir. Uh, I think we're both Rosen believers. At least I know I am. Uh, loved mm-hmm. him coming out of UCLA, and like you said, just an absolute. I mean, he can spin it, man. If you if you're just talking about sitting in a pocket, uh, perfect platform, let the ball rip. I don't think there's mm-hmm. many guys who can you know put it where they want it in this world like a Josh Rosen. Uh, he definitely shows an elite status of doing that. Um, but we'll see what else you know, kind of gets put together in terms of his game. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about him later on in the show, just in the quarterback's division, uh, you know, in that conversation. But an honorable mention, a young guy that I wanted to talk about is got to be Shaq Mason. Uh, in my opinion, man, he is the best guard in the league, and he's only 25 wow. years old. Uh, Shaq Mason, fun fact, came out of that triple option attack from yep. Georgia Tech. Um, just kind of shows you the scouting ability of Bill Belichick to see a guy who, you know, spent, you know, the entire the entirety of his collegiate career in a four point stance, you know, with his back flat to the ground, complete opposite of what they do in the NFL, where it's big chest uh, and, and sunken hips type of stuff. Uh, and he's a he's a low he's a fire hydrant looking guy similar to David Andrews there in the middle out of Georgia. David Andrews a four year starter at the University of Georgia. And if you just look across this offensive line, it looks like he's staying in the state. He's got three guys from the state of Georgia there with Isaiah Wynn, David Andrews, and Shaq Mason there from Georgia Tech. So I uh, just wanted to throw Shaq Mason some love because he is only 25 years of age and he's been dominating in the NFL. Uh, for as long as he's been in. I think this will be his fourth year coming up again out of Georgia Tech. And uh, a a guy who, you know, came up from under the radar. I don't think anybody really knew him there in college. It's hard to get much shine as an offensive lineman, let alone an offensive lineman playing in the triple. But, again, just wanted to show the guy some love. Your thoughts on Shaq Mason? Yeah? Yeah, I I really liked him coming out too. I remember reading up about him and – thinking about, you know, who's going to be – he's one of the most athletic too. I mean, a strong and athletic dude. So I think that you you look at those traits and you put him in the room with Dante Scarnecchia, who's got a reputation for being probably the best offensive line coach in the entire NFL. That's a great combo right there. And, and if you look at what the Patriots have done in recent years, Shaq Mason is really one of the only guys they've kept around which is really uh, speaks highly of him because they've had, I mean, even Nate Solder, who was a first-round pick and part of some of those glory teams for the Patriots, he wasn't kept around. They let him go. They let they let Trent Brown go this past year, and they've let a number of other guys go, but he's one of the ones that they've really kept around. And him and, him and Marcus Cannon, really, and now David Andrews probably on his second deal with the team. So it's kind of an interesting group that they've kept around, but Shaq Mason's definitely been a priority, and I think for good reason. Yeah, these tackles seemingly uh, priced themselves out of the market there 
in New England. They're not going to go out of their way uh, to pay guys uh, insane amounts of money, especially the kind of contract that Nate Solder was demanding in the market. Uh, and, and there's just no way for them to live up to that type of contract. Uh, and even Nate Solder's not doing so there in New York as we speak. Um, but we'll see what he can do this season. It's just we don't see New England making New England making those type of financial decisions. They're pretty fiscal with their finances, if you will, Sarah. Um, but let's get into the uh, best roster, Sarah. I still think it's the Pats, um, but they're getting older and older, man. Brady's 42 this season. Hightower's entering his eighth season in the league. The McCourty twins are 32 years old, and obviously Julian Edelman's getting up there. He's 33 years of age, and, uh, you know, the, the roster as a whole, as we mentioned earlier, is just getting old. But uh, it, are you still in agreement that, that is the best overall roster? Uh, and if you were to look forward just maybe a year or so, who's, who's on the horizon? Who's on their way up uh, with all things considered, the new additions, especially uh, that New York, uh, the Jets, and the Bills made this offseason? What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, gosh, I think the I think the Bills are probably the closest to being the the best all around roster in the league besides New England. And New England's New England's roster is not really anything that like it doesn't blow you away at it's first not a glance. Powerhouse, yeah, yeah, it's it's they're just so well coached. I mean, you look at their team every year, and you're like, really, your starting defensive line is Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Danny Shelton, and Michael Bennett. And that's your; those are your guys. Like that's your that's who you're trusting to rush the passer come January, February. And that's those are your guys, really. And then it ends up being like, wow, that's look at the run so and so is having it. I mean, who you never know who it's going to be for this team. Last year it was Kyle Van Noy who had a big playoff run, and and you just never know. But it's again random guys like Kyle Van Noy or you know. I don't know, just Jason McCourty coming Show in. Show my boy things. Winkovich some love. Win- yeah. Thor monster. Chase. Big Chase, the NFL Network draft correspondent. Yeah, he could be a fun guy in that defense to watch as well. But, I mean, I just think you look at them, and they picked up Jamie Collins again. This Isn't it funny how these guys kind of come back around, just like always, Patrick yeah, Chung and Jamie Collins? And Bill Belichick's really a master of, of – I mean, just the roster move in general. He's, But honestly, and if I can give you a hot take here, Brooks, this is a scorch super flaming – I'm going to scorch this place up. Bill Belichick and the Patriots have been really bad at drafting in the last I don't know how many years. I mean, you look at their roster and how many studs have they drafted. I mean, they haven't drafted a ton. They're, they're one of the teams who builds their roster. They obviously have Tom Brady. They obviously have some legacy guys, and they have drafted well – through the Belichick years, of course. I'm not saying that he's a bad drafting, you know, executive or whatever, or that Cesario or whoever has been poor overall. But I'm saying in the last few years, you look up and down the roster, it has not been very good. How many top picks are in the starting lineup for the Patriots? How many even second round picks are in the starting lineup for the Patriots right now? They have not done a good job. And they do, a, I think, in my opinion, they do a little bit better of a job of trading picks for proven talent and then incorporating already proven talent into their system, which is borderline more impressive because it's hard for NFL players to transition schemes and things like that early on in their career all the time. And so for them to trade for young guys and bring them in, I, I mean, it's it's impressive what they do. But again, not very good at drafting if you look at their roster up and down. Yeah, I mean, swings and misses, just like everybody else uh, in the league. But, you know, he's got the reputation – 
to uphold. I mean, he. but here's the thing about Bill Belichick. I think he takes uh, as big a swing as anybody in the draft, but he almost seemingly knows he's going to clean up in undrafted free agents and whatnot, and he's always going to find value uh, in the right. free agency market as well. And I think that's where he finds his safety net in terms of, you know, taking shots on guys like Nikhil Harry. And you mentioned it. Isaiah Wynn is not your prototypical left tackle unless you believe in what he put down on tape at Georgia uh, because the measurables just aren't there. He's just under six foot three, but you mentioned he's got those long arms. I think he measured in at 34 inches uh, and just over a third uh, there in terms of arm length, which is a slightly above average, but really freakish for a guy with his frame, mm-hmm. and again, it's the sweet feet. Um, but again, when you when you hit on as many undrafted free agents as he does, and when you do as well as he does in free agency, and you make the right decisions uh, in, in terms of who to pay and who and who to let walk, uh, you can kind of afford to hit and miss on those guys. One thing I will point out about this roster: if you look at their three deep at wide receiver, it is atrocious. They're going to have to rely oh, yeah. on a rookie in the kill Harry. Uh, a 33-year-old Julian Edelman, uh, you know, two years clean now. He's in his second season off the juice, so we'll see if he can <laughs> uphold that. And Philip Dorsett is their, you know, their starting number three receiver there. And they'll get Ben Watson, who I think's 35 or however old he is, another Georgia boy there. They'll get him eventually, at, you know, week five after he serves his PED suspension. So, you know <laughs> – just in terms of weapons, it doesn't look yeah. great for Brady, but it never has, Sarah. It never looks great, and he always right. comes out and, and puts on a show. So I still think the best roster, again, is the New England Patriots. But, you know, the Bills and the Jets are right there on their heels, and I think in two years, uh, you know, maybe even a little bit less, in a year and a half or so, I think this conversation starts to tilt uh, mm-hmm. to a different, you know, tone there. But let's get into this best quarterback conversation uh, and let's kind of separate Brady. We'll put him on his little pedestal and let him keep riding that out. But the young guys that are in this uh, conference. Yeah. So let's take, let's take Fitzmagic out uh, of the equation as well because he is such a wild card, and we don't know if he's just a placeholder there, whether or not they're tanking for Tua down there in Florida or whatnot. Um, but let's just kind of take Fitzy out. Let's take Tom Brady out. So that leaves Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Sam Darnold. Where would you find those guys uh, right now? If you were to start a new franchise tomorrow, I'm giving you the uh, the Omaha, let's call them the Otters. I don't know if a, the Otters the would be a good Otters. football. Yeah, we'll call them the Omaha Otters. Sarah Bettinger is the general manager. <laughs> He's got the option of Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, or Sam Darnold. Uh, who are you taking and why? Gosh, this them, is – in order. Yeah, this is the exact decision that that their general manager had, who's now fired, McCagnan. He had this decision exactly last year. He had the opportunity to take any one. The Otters had this decision a couple years ago, man. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. Um, yeah, it's crazy. The Otters, we we've decided that we're going back in time and we're going to take over the Jets spot. And uh, I would, like I alluded to earlier, I didn't allude to it. I said it exactly. Sam Darnold was my QB one over Baker Mayfield. And so I think, of course, for me, if we're removing Brady from the equation, I'm taking Sam Darnold. And I think that there's a couple of major reasons why. Number one reason, and I, I know we hate to talk about the it factor, so I'll talk about, I'll say it a little differently. I think that Sam Darnold is just a natural football player. And there's, what I mean by that is is he's that the dude. game he's a dude. Yeah, the game doesn't come 
in a difficult way. Like he doesn't have to force himself to be good at something. He does, he's just naturally good at the game in in many different ways. He does he does so many things well. Like you said, he's a little bit awkward on the move, but he still makes plays on the move. There was a play that I was watching Adam Gase break down some tape of Sam Darnold today, and he put it a really cool way. And I'm not going to try to speak it verbatim, but I'll paraphrase it. And he said that when Sam Darnold breaks from the pocket, he can almost anticipate what's going to happen in like a freestyle mode, like the backyard football mode. He can almost anticipate where guys are going to be. And he was showing this really crazy throw as Darnold was, you know, rolling out to his right, trying to escape pressure. He stops, puts on the brakes and immediately turns back to his left. And this is in the red zone. So you're talking, you don't make a mistake in the red zone whatsoever. And this is kind of the player that Darnold is. And this is what got him into trouble a little bit at USC and early on in his rookie year, but he's rolling to his left and he throws this pass perfectly to a receiver in the back of the end zone. Just I don't I don't know how he did it. I mean, he's got the arm talent to do it. He's got the the natural ability to be able to do it, but at the same time, you just kind of watch that and you're like there's not many quarterbacks in the league who can make that throw. And he does that with pretty pretty decent consistency. He's just a playmaker out there and so I like him number 1. I actually like I'm going to I'm adjusting my rankings a little bit. Last year I would have had Josh Rosen number 2, but after seeing them in their rookie seasons, I think Josh Allen's got a little bit more of the baller gene than I thought. So I'm putting Josh Allen number 2 and I'm putting Josh Rosen number 3. I think he's got a long way to go to prove that he can be a successful quarterback in the NFL now having played for literally the worst roster in the league last year and probably one of the top 3 worst rosters in the NFL this year in Miami. Yeah, it's uh, been tough two seasons there for Josh Rosen, and I think it's like his sixth offensive coordinator in six seasons or something like that, dating all the way back to his high school days. So it's constant turnover for the young man there out of California. But, you know, I see it the same way, believe it or not. I think, I think you might think I would have Allen above Darnold. Um, but that last five games, you know, granted, it wasn't against the elite, elite competition uh, and it was the back half of the schedule when some of those teams didn't necessarily have uh, the motivation that they might have had earlier in the season when he seemed to struggle. Um, but one thing I do love about Sam darnold Sayre, and I think you can attest to this, uh, he's kind of just even keel the whole time. There's no ups, no, no downs, though there may be ups and downs in his game. Emotionally, the guy's just flatlined the whole time, and I like to see that. You know, Whether he's throwing four touchdown passes or four interceptions, he's kind of got that Brett Favre uh, aspect in him and just the fact that he just doesn't give a shit, if you will. Uh, <laughs> pardon my French there. Um, but he really, he, he really seems not to uh, in terms of what happens, what the outcome is. He's just concerned with the next play. And that's a terrific uh, mentality for a young quarterback in the NFL, especially one that's going to make uh, as many bold uh, and, and irrational sometimes mistakes as Sam Darnold. Now, speaking of irrational mistakes, Josh Allen does a lot of the same stuff you were talking about, just in terms of trusting his arm talent, maybe just a bit too much, uh, forcing balls into windows that he should not be doing uh, and whatnot, and, and failing possibly, you know, sometimes to take the check down when he needs to. Um, but these are all things he's probably going to clean up, or at least I hope he cleans up in his second season there in Buffalo. Um, but just the, the perfect quarterback in my mind for a town like, or, you know, a place like Buffalo where you've got to play so many outdoor cold-ass games in the winter, yep. no bigger arm 
uh, in the NFL, in my opinion, than Josh Allen. I know we can talk about Pat Mahomes. Um, that's a different type of arm talent. We're just talking about arm strength. Uh, both those guys are probably pretty even. They both can cut it through the wind and the cold. Um, Pat Mahomes got a, a whole different set of skills in terms of off-platform throwing uh, and just in terms of creativity in the pocket. Um, so it's a whole different discussion. But at, yeah, as far as Josh Rosen, like you mentioned, man, does have a long way to grow. Uh, and, and we'll see what Sam Darnold does this year, man. I, I'm excited to see all three of the guys. I think we will see Josh Rosen at some point this season just because I think they're going to have to. If, they're, if they are a really, really bad football team like we believe they're going to be this season, and who knows, maybe Brian Flores has turned it around completely and we might be looking at an 8-8 eight eight or a 6-10 and 10 football team down there in Miami. But I just don't see the point in that. Uh, and again, back to my point about Josh Rosen, they're, they're going to want to see him before they ultimately take another quarterback in this mm-hmm. 2020 draft class because it is so you know quarterback heavy. Uh, and top-end heavy there. There's a lot of names for them to pick through in the 2020 class despite where their draft position is. So they're going to have to get a look at Josh Rosen. We know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Um, unless he just comes out and, and does Fitzpatrick stuff, or Fitzpatrick stuff, he's going to probably get the early start. And if for some reason he runs off seven or eight wins in a row, and, and all we can talk about again is is a national phenomenon that is Fitzmagic, well then I'm sorry, Josh, you're probably just going to play for your third team uh, in three years because they'll <laughs> definitely draft another quarterback even without seeing you. So let's get into our predictions, Sarah, and then we'll wrap up for the night. Uh, who do you got in the AFC East? Uh, and, and give me some win totals, my man. Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots to win this division again. I think it's I mean, it's crazy how they've been able to run it for this this amount of time. I mean, they, they've been so incredibly lucky that these other teams haven't been able to put together a competent enough roster to really compete other than the, those Mark Sanchez years with the Jets and uh, maybe one year from the Dolphins where they were contending a little bit. I know that some of these teams give the Patriots fits every year a little bit, but I think uh, overall, I mean, New England really has no problem just steamrolling through their division, and I don't see that changing quite yet this year. I think we're going to get the Patriots in first place with a finish of 11-5, and five. And I think we're going to see the New York Jets bump up to eight wins this year, finish in second place. And I think that they'll be, I think they'll be one of those teams who could be like eight and six near the end of the year. And I think they'll, you know, eight and six or seven and seven, you know, one of those type. Like they'll be close at the end of the year, and then I think they'll kind of falter a little bit with their youth. But uh, I think they'll be right up there. And I think Buffalo is actually going to finish eight and eight as well. I think their defense is good enough, and if their offense progresses well enough. I think they'll finish 8-8, eight and eight. and I think both those two teams are going to give the Patriots some problems throughout the year. I think the Patriots will pull away late, but then I think Miami's going to contend for the number one pick. And we've talked about, I think, on previous podcasts, I think we've touched on already my my top two number one overall pick candidates for next year. Um, if we, we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Yeah, so we, we, we got the Bengals, we got the Dolphins, and so I think those two teams, I think the Dolphins may be maybe three wins, maybe four. Yeah, I think if any of the – and I hate to bash on the Dolphins just like we hated to bash on the Bengals, um, but there's some major roster holes there. But I do think if any of the uh, Bill Belichick protégés can pull off the hard-nosed uh, you know, environment and culture, it's going to be Brian Flores because those professionals can look at that guy and notice right off the bat that he's a man of discipline and he lives his life uh, to the – you know. To the 
the code that he's trying to get his players to at all times. So a lot of that is respect. Man, you're dealing with grown men. We talk about this all the time on the show. We talk about how old the Pits or the New England Patriots are, um, just in terms of roster age. It's like that across the NFL, man. You're talking 26, 27-year-old men with wives and wife and kids at home. Uh, they don't like to be talked to without respect and, and without you, you know, demanding it and commanding it. So if any of them is going to do it, I think Brian Flores is going to, but I think they're in for a rough season this year. But as far as my predictions, I see it exactly uh, the same way as you do. The Pats, man, they're locked in for a 12-4 and season, 11-5 and season at all times. I, you know, I, I lean more towards 12-4 and this year with how bad the Dolphins are. I don't think they're going to catch them no matter what. You know, the, the Dolphins always seemingly snag a game or two. I know last year we saw it with the miracle there at the last play, uh, the Kenyon Drake touchdown and the famous Rob Gronkowski <laughs> stumbling to try to tackle him. Um, but I don't think that happens this year. So take the 11-5 and five and bump it up to a 12-4. and four. I'm with you on the Bills and Jets, man. I think we're looking at an 8-8 eight and eight football season from both of these football teams. Maybe one of them sneaks a 9-7. and seven. If the New York Jets were to sneak up and, and win nine games, man, I would be highly impressed. Um, you know, I'm still going to be impressed with an 8-8 eight and eight football season there with Adam Gase. But, you know, again, back, back to the comments about his press conferences, man. It may look like he's a nutball. It may look like he's insane. But he is a football guy. He does know football. He can get these guys to uh, to play pretty well. Despite, man, he, he's a no-bullcrap guy. He sent uh, Jay Ajayi out of Miami. He sent the Dominican Sioux packing. Didn't want to pay him. So uh, we'll see what happens there in New York. And, uh, you know, he's kind of you know, demanded power, it seems like. You know, there was a, a little bit of a power struggle. I know they've since filled that void. Um, but, again, I see eight and eight seasons for the Bills and Jets. And I got the Dolphins bringing up the rear at 3-13. and 13. Uh, Man, speaking of bringing up the rear, we like to end the show every day, uh, every show, with a little bit of you hate to see it. Sarah, you hate to see it, man. What do you got for me? You hate to see it, man. I, my gosh. I, I've seen now a 2-14 and 14 prediction and a 4-12 and 12 prediction for the Denver Broncos this year. I am willing, whoever, Sarah, whoever. You stop, man. No, just listen to me right just, now. You're just hurting yourself. This is an offer. This is an offer that I'm making right now. I'm willing to go for a $100 Starbucks gift card for anyone who wants to take four wins or less for the Denver Broncos, and I get five wins or more. If anybody wants to do that, cha-ching, all right? That's easy money for me. Denver Broncos will win five games by the end of October, so I'm not worried about that. I am worried about Ooh. people. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm worried about the people who are out there who don't look. They, they just don't pay attention. You, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, I guarantee you, are worth five wins alone. Those guys, if, if the defense keeps it close enough in five games, those guys are good enough to close it out and finish the deal in five wins. And the Broncos had six wins last year with the most atrocious Uh, I can't say the most atrocious because the year before it was even worse, but some of the most atrocious QB play I've seen. And then the year before that, they won five games with a combination of, do you even remember, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. That team won five games. This team is better, is way better. Yeah, not beautiful for sure. I can tell you that. (laughs) But um, 
Anyone who wants to take four wins or less, I got you a $100 Starbucks gift card. That is a one-time offer. I'm not doing it with multiple people. But if anyone wants to hit me and try to take that on, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. So I I love Starbucks. Uh, I live right next to one, so I'm definitely down. But you hate to see it. The people who are predicting it, it's garbage. Mm. No, I'm, I'm here for you. Mr. Big Money offering the $100 to Starbucks, even though I'm a Dunkin' guy. Um, medium ice latte, uh, <laughs> medium ice coffee, caramel cream, and a little bit of sugar. Give it to me now, uh, even though it's 11 o'clock here on the East Coast. But um, you hate to see it, Sarah. Uh, I told you how much I love the Atlanta Falcons this season, how much I'm on them this season. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of issues down here on the south side in Atlanta uh, with some injuries last season with Deion Jones and whatnot and, and Keanu Neal going down very, very early. And signs of the bad juju are starting to rear their head already in camp. Sarah, today, defense tackle Michael Bennett went down with a broken ankle. And J.J. Wilcox, a backup safety, went down for the season with an ACL tear. I hope it's not signs of more injuries to come. I really hope not because when we do cover the NFC South on this show, I'm going to be pounding the table uh, for a little bit of Atlanta Falcons love, uh, and, and I just hope it's not a sign to see. But you hate to see it. Two guys going down, uh, even though they're not starters, man. Depth is a key uh, component to a good defense, especially a defensive line. And losing a defensive tackle there with a broken ankle, not the best of news for Falcons fans. And J.J. Wilcox, the hometown kid, or, you know, coming back, a, a Georgia Southern graduate, played for the Dallas Cowboys, drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, now making a return to Atlanta. Uh, and he goes down with an ACL injury mm. after the season. So you hate to see it, man. Injuries alone, man, we hate to see those. But, uh, you know, especially non-contact injuries because, you know, I, I'm a firm believer you can't re- – you know, sometimes people say it's just bad luck. I'm also – I think – I don't think guys are training correctly nowadays, man. I, I've been reading that uh, Vince Lombardi book, When Pride Still Mattered, for seemingly uh, about eight months now. It's a damn – Bible is so big. Uh, it's not a biography of Vince Lombardi, but you know he talked about back in the day, guys were doing two, you know, two a days, and they stayed around uh, and worked out with the team, you know, team uh, trainer a uh, year round, similar to what these uh, collegiate guys do. I, I, you know, one thing I don't hear about in college football, and I cover it, uh, is is about guys blowing out their ACL in training camp. We don't see it when these guys return to campus; they're fully in shape because they never left campus. They're there all summer long. They're there 365 days a year, it seems like. And they're constantly lifting and working out, getting sprints in, doing agilities, all that kind of stuff. So the non-contact injuries just aren't in the same amount of numbers as they are in the NFL. And I'm not calling guys lazy, but what I am saying is that the, the training programs, you know, they're meant to be year-round. You're meant to be training your body year-round. And I think some of these guys may not be taking a professional approach. And again, it's not all of them. Some of these are bad luck. Um, but you hate to see it. Bad training programs lead to bad injuries. They lead to non-contact injuries. You have to train year-round if you want to be a professional football player. Uh, and it's something I think these guys are missing nowadays, Sarah. What are your thoughts on that quickly before we send the folks out? Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought of it in terms of the way that that college players really aren't tearing their ACLs at as high a rate as NFL guys. You don't think about that, really. But that's a good point you bring up. So, Maybe the NFL and their new CBA will figure something out with that, but, man, you do hate to see that. You hate to see one one area doing it better 
doing it more efficiently and effectively. And then these guys costing themselves millions, costing themselves second, third contracts by not training right. And so that's that's on them ultimately. And it's part of the bat. I mean, it's part of the battle. You know, you don't want to have to put your body through too much, but at the same time, you have to put it through enough. So it's tough, man. That you do hate to see it. Yeah, man, it's kind of funny. We see the the paid employee, the multimillionaires. They the the football teams can't seem to keep those guys, the paid labor on site and in their facilities year round, but the guys who aren't making the money uh, seemingly can trap their labor, the free labor in inside the building uh, year round. So it's a, it's a little bit back asswards there, if you will. Uh, and maybe they'll address it, like you said, with the CBA. But again, man, that's that collective bargaining ag- agreement. Uh, I, I don't know if those players are going to be bending in terms of off-season workouts. I think hmm. they enjoy that two months off and two months back at home. But nonetheless, there, send the folks out, man. Tell them thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Gosh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you being with us and uh, just enjoying a little run through the AFC East. It's a it's a fun division, finally. I think the Patriots have some competition. So if you find what we're talking about helpful for whatever reason, if you find it insightful, informative, entertaining, if you like listening to Brooks push the sound effect machine, Whatever it is, leave us a comment, leave us a review, some feedback. We really appreciate you for doing that, and it helps us get better placement. So that is, that is much appreciated on our end. If you would take the time to do that wherever you listen, however you listen. And uh, we also love to, to hear what you guys want want us to talk about. Really, I mean, we're getting into the season here. It's going to be easy for things to talk about. But if there's something in specific that we could bring up that would be interesting to you, the listener, let us know. We'd love it, and we'd appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know what Sarah's talking about with this soundboard machine or whatever, but uh, I thought it was just coming from above. Um, but anyways, <laughs> we appreciate you guys for listening. We will see you, uh, let's see here, Friday morning, I guess. This will be out mm-hmm. tomorrow morning on Tuesday morning. Sarah, I'll see you Thursday night. You guys have a great week. Uh, start it off well. Finish it better. We'll see you guys next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.